The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I'll tell you the one thing I love about Mondays is that the content is just there waiting for us to talk about it. It's reverse chronological lightning round Monday. We will work our way backwards through Sunday's results, Saturday's results, and then if any team doesn't play on either of those two days, which tends to be the case, we will look at those teams' results from Friday. The point, of course, being to review every single team's most recent ball game and kind of reset things for you here. We tackle... can't believe we're already now into week five. Week five. How the hell did that happen? Things have settled in a little bit to this point. Um, you know, I can safely... One, two, yeah. I think we can safely start to say we're seeing things balance out. The weirdness of the first 10 games of the season is beginning to get washed aside. And now I think we have a better idea. Uh, most guys, not all of them, there's still this sort of lingering stuff. And we'll point some of that out as we work our way through. But things are settling. Life finds a way, as they famously coined in Jurassic Park. So let's just dive right on in. First of all, uh, hello. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. And the early game on Sunday, so effectively this isn't really reverse chronological because we'd start at the nightcap and work our way up the board. It's just days. We're going reverse days over the weekend. Lakers beat the Spurs 114-106. L.A. finally embracing the notion that they're a better team when Anthony Davis is their center, which they knew and we know and literally everyone in the NBA knows. But the Lakers have wanted to preserve, to the best of their ability, the health of Anthony Davis, and they feel that one of the ways of doing that is not having him smash against traditional big men. Well, the Spurs' big men in this game were Drew Eubanks and Thad Young, who you guys know I like Thad, but neither one of those guys is what you call a robust, imposing center. So this is a perfect opportunity for the Lakers to demo the Anthony Davis starting five-man and it worked out great. He had 34 and 15, six assists, two steals, one block. Literally, the only thing holding AD back right now is the fact that he still can't really make free throws. Luckily, he's been so damn good in everything else. It hasn't really mattered. He's number seven in nine category leagues, and he's about four percentage points on the field goal side away from moving up into that top three, top four. So now. And I know I was too nervous to take the Anthony Davis plunge precisely because of the free throw thing, but it does look like it's starting to get a little bit better, even if it's not quite all the way there. Lakers also got the season debut of Taylor Horton Tucker, who had 17 points in uh, 27 minutes. He was efficient. I will remind you guys, however, and THT ended up getting picked up in every league immediately upon his re-inclusion into the roster. I mean, he's, he's added everywhere. But I will... Remind people, I mean, this is like a combination of a warning, a reminder, but also with some caveats that THT does have some small issues with his fantasy game, most notably uh, efficiency stuff. Last year, he saw about 77% from the free throw line, which is fine, but not spectacular. And he didn't really take any three-pointers while being... Um, a slightly sub-average field goal percent guy. So it's a, a weird combination where you're talking about a, a guard, a big guard, uh, a pretty good scoring guard who has all kinds of moves around the rim, but doesn't really space the floor the way a traditional guard does. Doesn't pass all that well. And so now you're talking about a guy where, and, and there's a little bit of a Jalen Brunson-y thing going on here, a guy who you're hoping will help you in scoring, with Brunson, you might get a little bit of a lift in assists. I don't think you're getting that out of Taylor Horton Tucker. You're going to get a few more steals out of THD than you do out of Brunson. But it's this weird guard stat set that isn't... It's not the Pat Beverly guard stat set where you get big man-ish stats from a little dude. You're just getting a guard who 
doesn't do all the things you kind of need someone in your guard slot to take care of. The caveat that I mentioned before, the caveat to all of this is he could have gotten better in some of those things. He's still only a third-year player. He's, he's extremely young still, born in the year 2000. He won't turn 21 for about 10 more days, if you can believe that. He's not even legal yet. Well, that's not true. Not legal to drink. He's <laughs> legal. He's over 18. Uh, so this is a really young guy who the Lakers, they love his offensive game. It, and frankly, it is pretty good. But we need to see, did he get better in foul shooting, three-point shooting, regular shooting? Did he improve his passing? Did he improve these little things? And then will it even matter when LeBron comes back? So I'm not racing out on THT. Uh, I know a lot of folks are. I think LeBron's back in the next week or so, and then that probably, the the era of the THT probably gets shelved a little bit. He's still going to have a role on this team. Make no mistake. They they desperately need other people that can score besides LeBron, uh, AD, and Carmelo Anthony these days. But I, I just don't see there being enough left for him. And Russ, by the way. Russ also scores a little bit. Melo at 15-5, and five. he moved into the starting lineup as well because there's this trickle-down effect. AD moving into the five slot frees up power forward minutes in the starting lineup, so now they can use Carmelo there as opposed to bringing him in later when AD was sliding over to the five slot anyway. Dwight Howard played 10 minutes of backup center. That was it. DeAndre Jordan did not play. This was good if you're a Laker fan. On the Spurs side, Devin Vassell continues to take these big steps forward. He... Somewhere kind of quietly along the way, in a couple of kind of uh, middling games to start the year, but he's been really good the last two weeks. He's number 85 overall on the year in a, a per-game nine-cat situation. Yes, the extremely low turnovers are helpful. His other stuff, like, you're getting okay numbers more or less across the board, but he's taken that step forward. He's probably rostered, and he's probably, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to go pick him up, but he certainly deserves to be started these days, and he hasn't gotten enough attention on this podcast because he's done it a little bit under the radar. I'll also point out, uh, I believe Derek White is a bit of a buy low right now. He's just outside the top 100, so he's actually still been startable in 12-team leagues, but shooting 38% from the field and 76% at the free throw line. Those are the same percentages as Devontae Graham which is not really what you were gunning for when you drafted Derek White this year. If you drafted him, I have him in one or two spots, not as many as I thought I would. He ended up getting drafted earlier than I expected. But, like, this was a guy that, and it's not as always volumes gone through the roof. Even last year when he was playing hurt mostly, he shot 41%. His three-point attempts haven't really gone up. His free throw number is down from the last two seasons where he was at 85%. Nothing really adds up here for White. Other than pointing out, again, his ability to get both steals and blocks is excellent. He's at a career high in assists. So if the percentages come around, he rocket boosts 20, 30, 35, 40 slots up the board with really nothing else needing to change. I don't know what it's going to take to get him. I don't think people are that annoyed with White so far because he's sort of been... Like, the defensive stats have been good. The assists have been pretty good. The percentages are things that people don't pay super close attention to. I think most folks are probably just annoyed that he's only averaging 11 points a game. I don't care if that only comes up a little bit. I want the efficiency to come around. And when you see that begin, you'll see him just slowly slide his way up the board. I had more thoughts on this first game than I thought I would. Milwaukee lost at Atlanta. The Hawks are the weird home road team of this season so far. I don't know that that's going to last the entire season, but right now they are way better at home than the road. Four and one at home, one and eight on the road. They're the Sixers of last year. So I guess you back them at home, you fade them on the road. Otherwise, on the Milwaukee side, uh, still no Chris Middleton. He's been out with COVID. Still no Brooke Lopez with his back stuff. Giannis's free throw stroke has abandoned him. I like watching the banter on Twitter about whether or not his changing routine and all that stuff is really going to have a massive impact. It always comes back to the midpoint with these guys. The guys that make the big free throw jumps tend to be the dudes that can shoot some anyway. Like Brandon Ingram, it was not expected. But the fact that he was able to hit jumpers, you're like, okay, that, like get closer. He should be able to be okay there. Giannis can't shoot. They just can't shoot. He does a lot of other stuff. Amazingly, he's probably the best player in the NBA right now. But 
His free throw percent is going to drag him down. In any event, doesn't change what you're doing with him. Drew Holiday looking good now, starting to get his legs underneath him. Grayson Allen's been rolling and just sort of keep going there. And uh, lately, you know, well, obviously Bobby Portis is a go, especially with no Brooke Lopez. Pat Connaughton's been decent last couple of ball games. He's the one I trust the least out of that crew. On the Atlanta side, Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, turned an ankle in this game, but he wasn't all that heavily involved anyway. Six points in 30 minutes. Kevin Herter, 11-6, and six, while continuing to fill in for DeAndre Hunter. Uh, Trey Young taking advantage of the fact that his teammates are sleepwalking through the season so far. And he's doing extra. And I said on Twitter I thought this was a sell-high moment for Trey Young, but the problem is that he's number 20. I think he's going to fall a little bit. But even if you sold him right now, you're basically selling him for what you, where you drafted him. So there's no... If you drafted him around there, you probably just want him. You just, but you probably want to stick with it, even though we all know that this usage rate for him is probably not going to hold. It's probably not going to hold. He's been good, though. I don't want to take out anything away from Trey. He's been good. He's been about the only thing hanging in there. John Collins has actually been okay also for Atlanta, but Capella's off to a slow start. He was a little better in this one. Bogdan's been bad. Hunter's been bad. Reddish was hot coming out of the shoot, but you knew that wasn't going to last all year. What do you do? You probably hold on Bogdan, and then, you know, the other ones are a bit more obvious. Brooklyn thumped OKC on the road. James Harden quietly working his way back into where he needs to be. Kevin Durant just been awesome so far. Hasn't needed to take any games off. He's shooting 59% from the field, 84, which, believe it or not, that could get better at the free throw line. He's number four. If you took the plunge on KD so far, you've been rewarded. He has not needed any time off. Just continuing, picking up where he left off in the postseason last year, the Olympics, and so on and so forth. On the Harden front, he's up to number 15 all of a sudden. All of everyone's hatred for James Harden slowly vanishing. Starting to make his free throws, starting to get a few more of them. He's up to five and a half a ball game now. He still hasn't even needed to score at all. He's doing all this without having to score. 13 assists in this one. Uh, Joe Harris had an ankle injury in this ballgame. Also tweaked it. He only played 14 minutes, which means there's going to be a ton of time for Patty Mills. He had nine three-pointers in this one. They're not all going to be so simple, but if you're streaming three-pointers, if you're hunting threes, he's going to be useful as long as Joe Harris is out because there sort of isn't another obvious option that can spread the floor besides Mills. And then with LaMarcus Aldridge, I don't know how he's doing it right now, and I've been extremely skeptical of it, but he's number 93 in 21 minutes a game. So just go for it. He makes a lot of sense in a Roto Games cap element. Head-to-head, I don't know quite so much. He's he's likely going to skip half of every back-to-back. That Someone hanging around near the edge of the top 100 in head-to-head, that's a tough pill to swallow. Roto, who cares? You just... You just sit him down for a day. So, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I really had to vet him before I put him back on the old man squad, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Shea's quietly been decent here after kind of a slow start. He's uh, currently sitting in the in the 50s, which is where I had him anyway. Uh, I, I felt like he was going to get overdrafted based on the pre-high usage iteration of SGA, where now now that he's doing everything defensively you've seen his numbers slip and efficiency wise you've seen his numbers slip Lou Dort had another good shooting game I don't know man I know he's number 125 which is basically right on the cusp of 12 team value um he's also shooting 88 percent on a pretty good volume of free throws I don't know that that sticks either I, I'm going to continue to just call him a points league option until he really proves it to me. And honestly, I'm not going to be that upset if I'm late to the party on Lou Dort and his mostly shooting three-pointers type of fantasy game. And then Josh Giddy, who, uh, I mean, this is rookie stuff. He's number 160, trending down before he trends up. 37.5% from the field, 62% at the free throw line. That's just stuff that's going to come along as... The season progresses. He's a guy, if you trade for him or whatever, just you know, be ready to sit on him for probably another eight weeks before things start to look a little bit better. The NBA's hard, man. 
Hornets beat the Warriors 106-102. Got a little revenge. This was a uh, Steph Curry, the the Carolina homecoming game for him. And he, I don't know. It's always a mixed bag whether or not he's going to be awesome or just horrendous. There's there's never really a middle ground for Steph in the homecoming game. Nice to see Wiggins starting to get it going a little bit. He, his free throw stroke, stroke abandoned him in this ball game, but with this one, he now moves right to the edge of the top 100. He's been better the last week. Draymond's been better the last, really, three weeks after getting off to that super weird free throw shooting start. And basically, every game where he doesn't take a free throw, he moves up the board like eight slots. I still think he's going to get back to where he needs to be. I like Dre a lot. I don't know if you could buy low on him. People kind of know what they're getting when they draft Draymond. He's always going to be a tough guy to pry away because no one's ever surprised by what's happening. In fact, field goal percentage-wise, he's been pretty good. Efficiency, like on that front, he's been better than expected. It was pretty much like one game where he shot, what was it, like two for nine at the foul line, and he hasn't been able to make up for that yet. And free throw shooting is the thing that's held him down to this point. Super weird. Lamella Ball cruising, made his free throw again. He's just doing it all, and he got this big usage spike. Hornets like to play quick. They like to run their starters, big minutes. Yeah, I wasn't high enough on Lamella Ball. I remember I was on a, a podcast. I think it was Round Ball Stew with the Roto World. Ah, NBC Sports Edge guys. And they were like, who would you rather have, Donovan Mitchell or Lamella Ball? And I said, I think I'm going to lean Donovan Mitchell because I'm I'm not convinced that LaMelo's percentages are going to fix themselves. And I don't feel that dumb right now because LaMelo's number 10 and Donovan Mitchell's number 13. So there, was never, there wasn't really a wrong answer to that question, at least four weeks into the season right now. Um, but I thought both of them were actually going a tiny bit too high at 24-25, and that I was definitely wrong about. But at least I generally was steering you to other guys that are also inside the top 30 that makes the that makes the uh being not quite high enough on lamello a little bit of an easier pill to swallow and the problem there is that it's a rare thing when someone who's so exciting and so buzzy can beat those expectations but you know what i like i should have known it just watching him last year you guys heard me talk about him how many times have you ever have you ever heard me talk about a rookie the way i talked about lamello last season he's a special basketball player should have trusted the special a little bit more but that's okay uh many of you ended up with him anyway because he is so damn exciting and um yeah terry rozier 20 points he's starting to make a little bit of noise but he's his role is diminished from last year there's there's no way to avoid that discussion he's number 140 right now those percentages most notably field goal percent, will come back up a little bit. But I think you're probably looking at more like an 80 range type of guy instead of 40 to 60, which is fine because he was drafted closer to 80. And so I I just, I think where we were hoping for a big value, he might just kind of hang around near his ADP. And then Miles Bridges had a better ball game again, 22, 8, and 3 with a steal, a couple of three-pointers. That's good because he had been slipping ever so slightly and this game solidified him in that second-round discussion for now. And again, the longer he's there, the more you can ask for coming back. Phoenix smoked Houston, and that'll happen a lot this year because Houston is so bad. I don't have a lot to add on the Phoenix side. You know, We've talked on this podcast about how I trust JaVale McGee over Frank Kaminsky in the fill-in role just because he's starting, really. And uh, McGee had a big one. This will be probably his biggest game of the entire season. I'm fine with continuing to stream him, however. And then Chris Paul, seven steals in this game. And thanks to those seven steals, the fact that the, the rest of his game was only, like, pretty good. A 6 of 11 shooting again. Two three-pointers, made his free throw, didn't even need to get assists in this one. Chris Paul is number six in nine category leagues right now. That's mind-boggling. And I feel like Phoenix hasn't played as many games as some of the other teams in the NBA. Yeah, they've only played 12. And a lot of teams are at 13. A couple, I think, are even at 14 so far. So by totals, Chris Paul is kind of getting the raw end of it right now. He hasn't missed a game yet. That's the important part. And he's leading the NBA in steals. A number that, for a lot of these guys in the steals department, is going to come down a little bit. He's at 2.8 right now. But the rest of his stuff, he's actually low on the free throw number at only 83%. 
He hadn't had to score very much at 14 points, but the assists are fantastic. I cannot believe that the world let Chris Paul fall back into our arms again this year. I, I, how many times have I told the story on the pod? We didn't go into draft season here at Fantasy NBA Today looking to draft Chris Paul because I thought he was going to get pre-ranked near 24. And in those, there was like a three-day window there where Yahoo moved him up into the mid-20s and nobody bought on it. Of course, it was right when I had all my drafts. So I only got a few Chris Pauls, as opposed to pretty much the rest of draft season when Yahoo had him pre-ranked between 29 and 36 again. When will they learn? When will everybody learn that old men, the old man squad, can come through like this? This is the least exciting third round to first round jump. Right? Wouldn't, wouldn't if, if you were like, who is more... Who is a more exciting player to have right now, LaMelo Ball or Chris, uh, or Chris Paul? The universe would say, would say LaMelo Ball, every single person. But the difference between them is almost exclusively in the first three categories. LaMelo's outscoring him, out-three-pointing him, and out-rebounding him. Chris Paul's winning the assist battle by 3.5, steals by .7, blocks by .1, field goal percent by 7, and somehow he's actually losing the free throw battle, but I think that'll probably flip on its head. Chris Paul's ahead of LaMelo Ball, number six to number 10 on a per-game basis. And again, this isn't to say, like, I'm not trying to say there's anything wrong with LaMelo Ball. These are actually two really big hits. I just think it's funny that I'm sure if you ask the public, and maybe I will on Twitter today just to get a poll going, who's been the more exciting jump? Who's been the more valuable draft pick? I think everybody would just say LaMelo Ball because of how fun he's been and how the scoring's been such a big leap forward for him. But to this point, Chris Paul's actually been the better fantasy player. I need my guy Jimmy Butler to get his butt back in the lineups too. The Chris Paul-Jimmy Butler combos on a couple of my teams are just, that's crazy. Like there, if, if something were to break right, I have a couple of teams where my first three picks could all end up in the first round. And I hope you guys might have been able to put some of that together, which basically like Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul kind of thing. That, that's one where Chris Paul would have fell towards the back end of the third round. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty rad. That's a pretty rad spot to be. Plenty of spots where there are two, Jimmy Butler and Chris Paul or Paul George and Jimmy Butler together or whatever it turns out to be. That, that's pretty cool. The Houston side is quite the opposite. By the way, shout out Devin Booker, who did have a, a better ball game here. I, I just, yeah, the Booker thing. He's just a top 59 category guy. That's just, that's just who he is now. So Houston's real bad, and we we know that. But on sometimes you find a bad team that can rack up some fantasy stats. Wizards, last few years. I know they made a push into the play-in tournament last year, but they were bad for a while. And they just played fast and loose and fun. And so guys were racking up fantasy numbers. This Houston team is not fun. They're just they're just straight out bad. Their point guard, Kevin Porter, is a pillar of inefficiency, which of course then makes a lot of other guys struggle a little bit. And they want him to come around. And he might. I don't know. He might. I don't, you know, I'm not going to evaluate the future for uh, a young player like that because he is still very raw. But when you have someone raw like that running the offense, you need veterans somewhere to stabilize things. And this team just has none. Christian Wood has never really had to be a part of kind of a winning program. He's saying all the right things. I don't want this to come off as a knock on any one of these guys individually. Jay Sean Tate, he's saying all the right things. Wood is kind of the veteran, I guess. Daniel Tice something of a veteran, but they're, you know the plans for him, he's not one of their building blocks. So then Alperin Sengun did have one of his better ball games yesterday with 10 and 10 and four assists, and that was good. But there's just like, there's almost no one you can trust on this team on a day-to-day basis. And I hate to put it this way because it feels rash and frankly a little bit stupid, but there's no one on this team inside the top 40, 140. They don't have a single fantasy player that's 12-team usable right now. Christian Wood is the closest. He's right around 150. And then Tate, Shengun, Tice. Those guys are in that 180 range. Kevin Porter Jr. 
uh, Jalen Green, those guys are like between 200 and 230. It's rough right now. It's rough go. I think your move here, if you have Christian Wood, and uh, as you may recall, I said I was I was too chicken to take Christian Wood because I had no idea what his free throws were going to be, and he was getting drafted in the late 30s. And I thought, look, if his free throws aren't good, he could be outside the top 100 because of what we saw late last year. I just I couldn't take that plunge. So this is one where I think being cautious paid off in a big way. Sometimes we're too cautious, like on the Lamella ball front, where you miss out a little bit. But if you stay cautious there, yeah, you might miss the guy that makes the leap. But also there were guys like Chris Paul and you know Rudy Gobert, who's been totally fine so far, just a half round back of his ADP. That's what we always say. You can't really win your fantasy league with your second round draft pick, but you sure as bleep can lose it. First round two. Now, with the third round, you could get away with having a bad one. Your, your team can kind of float it a little bit, but like when there are so many obvious ones on the board to take a guy like Christian Wood that had those big question marks, that was, that was ballsy. I didn't have the stones for that. So with Wood, you spent enough on draft day to where you can't just drop him, nor should you. You should be looking for a trade partner after a few good games in a row. See if you can get someone back inside the top 50, whenever that happens. With the rest of these guys, I kind of think you could probably just drop them. The only exception I might make is Alperin Sengun, who I think if you dropped him right now, someone would pick him up and just squat on him for three months and hope to catch that lightning in a bottle. Because he does kind of have that lightning in a bottle profile. Points, boards, assists, steals, blocks. I don't know about percentages. That, that's the question mark there. But someone's going to squat on him. If you drop Jayshon Tate, I don't think anybody's going to pick him up. I like He's played okay other than this ball game. He's played okay lately. Jalen Green, I don't think anybody's picking him up right now either. We're seeing he doesn't have fantasy game. He can score sometimes inefficiently, but not much else. Kevin Porter, someone might pick him up, but heavens, more power to them for dealing with that. Maybe eliminate your headaches is all I'm saying. Portland came out flat. Chauncey Billups talking about some starting lineup or rotation adjustments that might be coming for the Blazers, who were without Damian Lillard in this ballgame. Uh, abdominal soreness, so that, you want to call it a rumor, you want to call it uh, now, I mean, I think we can officially call it fact at this point. He's dealing with a thing, and it's nerve-wracking. Because we don't know how many games he's going to miss. They're, you know, they're calling it maintenance. They're calling it just opportunity to kind of get it right but he's in the 80s right now because uh, he's not getting to the free throw line, thanks new NBA rules. He's not hitting any jumpers to this point, and his steals are down, which sometimes you can put on injury stuff. So there's a, there's a distinct possibility you might be looking at Damian Lillard as more of a second or third round guy this year, even when things do level off, because if you take away the free throws, it, it pulls down maybe his most important category in 9-cat. That makes me very, very nervous. I'd love to say you can buy low. I just, I don't, I don't know what, do we, what it would even take to get him at this point. Anthony Simons is your backup point guard on the Blazers. He had a solid ball game with 16-5-4 with a block. Nas Little had 13-7-2, two steals a block, and three three-pointers. Really nice ball game for him. Um, we saw him fill in for Norman Powell and play relatively well in that capacity. I'm a little worried that the minutes won't, always be there when it's just Dame that's out because because little is more of a wing and yes they can go smaller if they need to or they can go bigger if they need to depending on how this thing shakes out and you know you could put a guy like nice little at shooting guard or something like that and you don't have to play Anthony Simons more than 25 26 minutes if you don't want to but it's similar to the the JaVale McGee Frank Kaminsky thing I just trust the guy who's starting a little bit more this is obviously a really bad game for Portland, but we, we kind of have to mention the fact that Rob Covington only played 19 minutes to Larry Nance's 20. That's two games in a row where those guys have almost been in a deadlock timeshare. Keep an eye on it. Yusuf Nurkic was also terrible in this game, so he might start to suffer a little bit. Do we see more Larry Nance? Do we see less Rob Covington? Is he not the guy that's in Chauncey Billups' crosshairs? I don't really know yet, but Portland is immediately becoming a homework team for us because something's about to go down. 
On the Denver side, Nikola Jokic carrying the torch with no Will Barton now. He's dealing with back soreness, so this team is really down to the nubs, and they still won by almost 30 points because Jokic got a ton of help. Seven nuggets in double figures in yesterday's ballgame. Bones Highland at 18 off the bench in 23 minutes. Everybody is ready to throw a Bones party, but it's also worth noting you guys aren't going to usually score 18 points on nine shots in 23 minutes. The blowout does play a role in this. If this ball game was closer, uh, you would have seen probably the starters log a few extra minutes. Monty Morris, only 24 minutes he needed to get a line, a solid line in this game. Aaron Gordon played 29. Jeff Green I don't, and Austin Rivers, like those guys, who cares? You could see Bones jack those minutes from maybe Austin Rivers. But still, if you're trusting anyone beyond Nikola Jokic on this team right now, I think it has to be Monte Morris. He's a starting point guard on a team that is down everybody. Michael Porter Jr., Will Barton, Jamal Murray, they're all down. Everybody that's in front of him in the pecking order, except for Nikola Jokic, is done. Morris is the fifth option among five starters. Ah, well, Aaron Gordon, they're, they're close, I suppose. And three... Of the four guys in front of him, I would argue, are out. And the one that's the two that are in, I know I'm adding too many names here to the list. I'm going to give this team six starters before you know it. Uh, in Aaron Gordon, he doesn't really want to jack shots the way he used to, and the Nuggets don't want him to. So I think you could probably stream Monty Morris tonight. Denver plays again. Um, but I'm not going crazy. And finally, and again, this is all taking way too long. I'd. I'd apologize this show running a bit uh longer than expected chicago shut down the clippers good defense by the bulls clippers talking about how they were pretty tired for this ball game eric bledsoe is the story on the clippers side he's been awesome his last three or four ball games in a row now he is a must own must start guy until he cools off and maybe even beyond that and my good friend nick patoom once again kind of got iced out on getting shots up but did hit two of his four shots, seven boards, two assists, a steal block, and a three-pointer. He finds a way to make sure his line is not a disaster, even when it looks like it's on its way to being a disaster. That's a sign of a guy who's going to get playing time and going to put up fantasy numbers. He played another 35 minutes in this loss. I don't have any fear there. I don't care about the slow game. I don't really care about the Chicago Bulls right now either. They're playing well, and no one, as we expected, is really filling in for Nikola Vucevic. Folks, I want to remind you guys, because we didn't do it at the front end, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you have a moment, please do drop a five-star review on the show. If you write something funny, I'll read it on air. But to this point, you guys have mostly just written nice things. And that's cool and all. I like you guys for it. But if you want me to say something silly, I will do so. That's what I'm saying. So go to the podcast app on your mobile device, search for Fantasy NBA Today, and scroll, well, click on the show title, and then scroll to the bottom where you can drop a five-star review on Fantasy NBA Today. If you're on iTunes, it's a similar thing. You go to the podcast tab, search for Fantasy NBA Today, and then there is a rate and review button, a little bit easier to find in the traditional iTunes sense. Also excited to announce once again our continued partnership with the good friends over at mybookie.ag. Sign up now using promo code HOOPBALL and don't miss the next odds boost. We won another one, another 25 bucks last week on the Thursday night football odds boost bet. I think the last two or three of those in a row have won. They shift the odds in our favor. If you exclusively have bet those since we partnered up with MyBookie last July, you could be up as much as 500 real non-promo dollars. Don't keep waiting Join us, and if you are disciplined, we can all just win money together. Hit me up if you have any questions. Again, it's at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Uh, bug me on that front. And also, we're still looking for a full-time host of our sports betting podcast. If you think you've got it, what it takes. This is a really a remarkable catbird seat on a, a thriving young sports betting division of a website where you know the podcast host... That's an opportunity to kind of become famous. Hit me up on that as well. Let's talk Saturday a little bit. I want to uh, see if I can pick up the pace a hair. Um, no Jimmy Butler for Miami in Utah, so Duncan Robinson was able to get going. Adebayo had seven assists. That's a good sign there. Kyle Lowry was solid. 
Tyler Hero put up 27. They have plenty of guys that can do things with no Butler, but obviously they are better with Jimmy. He takes the pressure off of the rest of the guys on this team. Hopefully this gets Duncan Robinson going. I still don't think that he's going to be a 12-teamer. He's number 155 after that ballgame, and like we really need to see his percentages come a long way before I recommend throwing him on a basketball team. It was kind of nice to see Adebayo get those seven assists. That's been trending in the positive direction. He's up to number 35 in nine-category leagues right now. He's moved up about a round and a half, largely because the assists have moved from one and a half to 2.7. He also had that big game uh, in Los Angeles. That, uh, That didn't hurt his cause. But this is the stuff. Remember, I was talking earlier. I said he's probably not getting to five assists a ball game. But also, the Heat didn't have any half-court offense. There was none. It was totally disjointed. Nobody knew where anyone was supposed to be. They weren't getting their shooters open. They're still going to run stuff through Bam in the high post. It just wasn't working. And it's weird to say the following, but I said it before, I'll say it again. Three turnovers a game for Bam means he's orchestrating still. He just wasn't doing a good job of it. So I still think that assist number trends, I thought it would get to three. Maybe it even trends a little bit higher than that. And that'll move him back probably into the mid-20s. And now we just need the durability thing to click, and we'll be damn close to where we had him. Tyler Hero continues to be a sellable asset. He's number 88. People think he's higher than that, but they have no idea he doesn't get any steals at all. No defensive stats to speak of. He got one in this game, though. Uh, Utah, they're an uninteresting fantasy team. Don't care. Move along. Everything's the same every single day. Good to see Donovan Mitchell having a big season, though. Boyan Bogdanovich has actually been better than expected this year, too. He's number 118. Thought he'd probably be more like 140, which I guess they're not. that's not separated by much. Danny Green of the Zombie Sixers hurt his hamstring again. He was in the process of putting up a really nice ball game, actually, which kind of sucks because he tends to play well when the big-name guys are out on that club. And this just means even more Tobias Harris, who had 32-11-3. He's going to be asked to do as much as humanly possible, and we're fine with that. Old man squad, king of the universe. Tyrese Maxey played 43 minutes. You can keep running him out there. Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, those are the guys you can feel safe starting. Uh, We'll probably see Furkan Korkmaz back in the starting lineup with Danny Green is out, which it sounds like he probably will be. Korkmaz is kind of a coin flip to have nine cat value on any given night. If he's starting, I'd say probably he's streamable. Meanwhile, Miles Turner doing what he did last year. He's number 12 in nine category leagues. Blah, blah, blah. He does it. It's all because of his block shots. Yeah, I don't care. Doesn't matter how you get there. If you're that much better than everybody in one statistical category, you belong there. He can legitimately win you a category on a given week. He could get you 15 to 20 blocks in one week. I've seen weeks one with 15 to 20 blocks. But guess what? You're going to have nine to like 12 other guys rotating into your lineup. So if those guys in their 35, 40 games they play for your team, if they can't get you like another five or six blocks, what the hell are you doing? But effectively, that means Miles Turner's kind of done it for you by himself. That's pretty amazing. He got underdrafted because he's been hurt. Simple enough. Justin Holliday got hot in this game. I don't think we'll see that happen again anytime soon. TJ McConnell had nine assists in 22 minutes. Again, he continues to look more like himself. This was a game, by the way, with Karis LeVert and with Malcolm Brogdon, who triple-doubled in a weird one. Uh, So I think TJ McConnell is just a startable guy now. He's found his groove. He's found his place on an indie team that's playing better. The Pelicans finally won a game. Who the hell saw that coming? Uh, our Pelicans and our Grizzlies guys here at Hoopball did because they reminded me that the Grizzlies just suck against the Pels, and no one really knows why. Steven Adams, uh, a little Pelicans revenge game. I don't think you could. I don't think we should be buying into the the Steven Adams stuff right now. Um, he's generally been kind of bad for a while. After a quick start, he's number one thirty-two streamable level yeah playable level no but then of course here's the real fear dylan brooks into the starting lineup took 18 shots 23 points five boards rendered d'anthony melton 
close to useless in this game. Melton played 19 ineffective minutes. That's two games in a row where Melton's been pushed aside. This is a fear. I've seen him dropped already after only two bad ball games. I think you have to give him a little bit more leash than that. He's still, despite two of the worst games we've seen all season, he's still inside the top 100 in nine category leagues. I get it. Uh, if you can't afford to bench a guy, that's a tough pill to swallow. But we've seen Melton put up top 100 value in 20 minutes. So if he's really going to get 19 right now, surely we can all hang on just a little bit to see how this goes. Because what I said on this pod a week ago was, I think you're going to see a hot hand thing going on. And Taylor Jenkins saw Brooks and Bain shooting the ball better. So Melton just got marginalized. Now, hopefully, that's not the case every single game. If it is, then yeah, we'll ultimately move on. But I don't think you move on that fast from someone with that much fantasy game. we got to give it a little more time. Forever? No. But a little more? Yeah. Banderningham had 19 for the Pels in this one, and that'll start to peel things away from some of the other main dudes on that Pels side. JV continues to rumble along. Uh, Josh Hart had 11 assists in this ball game. I did not see that coming. Thought I was I thought I was looking at eleven rebounds, and then I had to sort of double take it. No, eleven assists. Devontae Graham, he's still fine for the time being. I'm a little worried about Hart and Nikhil Alexander Walker with this current construction. Um Walker's heating back up a bit. It seemed like playing against his cousin in the Thunder did give him a little bit of a punch. He's just outside the top one hundred right now. You almost kind of have to pick your spots. I think you roll the dice on him when he's warm, like he is right now, and then you see things start to cool off. That's probably a time to to pull back a little bit. Washington, without Bradley Beal, tending to the uh, passing of his grandmother, so he should be back relatively soon. I do wonder, though, he might be quarantining. I don't remember what the rules are, but remember, Beal is one of the, the few unvaccinated players in the NBA, so when he leaves to go do other stuff. I don't know if that means that they have to test everybody he was with or if he just has to, like, wait a few days when he comes back. So I I don't know if he gets to just drop right back in. But either way, it won't be too long yet. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie's going to go huge while Beal is out. Montrez Harrell is going to be asked to do more offensively. Daniel Gafford played 26 minutes, so that part was fine. He didn't do much with them, but I, I love the 26 minutes. I think, I mean, if we see that again... He continues to end, to be probably more of a buy low than anything else. And for the Wizards, they're doing it with their defense right now. Held Orlando to just 34% shooting in this ballgame. Mo Bamba, good again. Wendell Carter Jr., good again. Cole Anthony, good again. Franz Wagner, I think I mentioned a week ago that I was getting worried about him. He's number 91 right now. Kind of on the shoulders of a really hot start and a big steals game last week. Yeah, I think you have to stick with it for now because he still got the minutes. He still took 11 shots. They, none of them were going in. Um, and at some point, we'll find out what the hell's going on with guys like Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac. But for now, you could probably start all four of those guys on the Magic. Detroit, the improbable road win over Toronto, who decided to give Freddie Van Vliet a little time off. Sore groin. Everybody loves the joke because he made the Sam Cassell big hanging balls taunt. And then he had to miss game with a sore groin. Yeah, anyway. Um, Gary Trent, he's going to do more. Goran Dragic, who just hadn't been playing, immediately thrust into the lineup and actually looked pretty good. But no, you're not going to trust that. Uh, Siakam, he's getting his game back. OG's having some problems with efficiency and just figuring out who he is right now. And then Scotty Barnes, who, you know, as a rookie, he's been very impressive hanging around right around the edge of the top 90. I wonder if you might not be able to get even more for him than that. If you can, I think you might want to. This is a nice little opportunity for Gary Trent to solidify where he's at, though, because I think things were just ever so slightly inching down prior to this Van Vliet absence. On the Detroit side, uh, no Kelly Olynyk, so finally Isaiah Stewart had a better ball game. Finally. Jeremy Grant, pretty good. Sadiq Bey, pretty good. Killian Hayes actually has been quietly a lot better the last couple of ball games, and then Cade Cunningham didn't really have to do all that much. I'm not out here telling you you need to go do something with Killian Hayes because he's very reluctant to shoot the basketball. He needs to rebound. He needs to pass. He needs big-time steals to float his value. So that stuff probably isn't quite there yet, but keep an eye on it for later. 
And then on the Sadiq Bay front, they kept saying on the show, as he gets better point guard play around him, his stuff will trend in the right direction. Bay is number 133 right now in 9-cat, while shooting 36% from the field. So presumably that number comes up and he moves back towards the edge of the top 100. I think you can probably hold on Bay. uh, Because if you drop him, I bet somebody picks him up. Boston blew a lead in Cleveland. Evan Mobley, a monster game for the Cavs. He's just been incredible. He's He is the rookie, to be sure. I don't know if he's going to win rookie of the year, but from a fantasy standpoint, he certainly should. Darius Garland stepping up now with Sexton out. Ricky Rubio stepping up with Sexton out. Jared Allen's been quietly solid throughout the year. Uh, I think we'll probably see Kevin Love and Larry Markin in the not-too-distant future, and that'll shake up the front court a little bit, but for now... Those are the four guys you're willing to to roll with. On the Boston side, I really cannot imagine Jason Tatum being any worse so far this year. He's number 90. He can't shoot from any place. The field, the free throw line, it, it's just this unmitigated disaster. And I do wonder if some of it is now creeping into his head. But at some point, he's going to bust out of it, and it's going to be a furious run. But it's got to be soon, because Boston needs Tatum to be a superstar particularly when Jalen Brown is out. And Marcus Smart isn't getting any open looks at the moment. He's trying to keep himself above water with assists and steals, and somehow he's doing it. I have no idea. Marcus Smart is number 87 while shooting 34% from the field and 72 at the free throw line. He's actually a little bit of a buy low also, believe it or not. But nothing uh, particularly interesting in this ballgame besides Dennis Schroeder continuing to fill in for Jalen Brown. Uh, we talked about the Clippers already. We haven't talked about the Wolves. Cat had a slower ball game, but who cares? Uh, he's still number three on a per-game basis, although there's a massive drop-off. It's Steph at one, Jokic at two, and then a big jump down to Cat, KD, Paul George, Chris Paul, AD, Jimmy Butler. Like All those guys are wedged together between three and like eight. But that one and two group, they're way out ahead of the pack right now. As far as Minnesota goes, I don't I don't think there's anything that's going to surprise us here until another injury pops up. Patrick Beverly is barely usable as a starter. I don't think there's enough upside there to warrant it. This is the Jaden McDaniels power forward game after you guys yelled at me that I need to give more love to Jared Vanderbilt. That, I mean, that's just going to flip-flop back and forth all year. If you can figure out who's going to get playing time and usage on any given night, more power to you. I just don't know. So I avoid them both because at the end of the day, neither one is going to be a a useful fantasy player in total. And there were a handful of teams that didn't play over the weekend. So we got to peel all the way back to Friday to talk about the New York Knicks. Kemba Walker against his old team had a good one. Maybe this will get him going. He's been a guy you really can only start when he's hot. He got really hot for about five games after being cold for three. And then he went back to being cold for four. And maybe this is the front end of a hot spell. I don't know. As soon as I get cute with a guy, the whole thing goes down the toilet. So maybe I should just leave it alone. Sure, if I knew what's good for me, I would. Uh, Kings lost to the Thunder back on Friday, and apparently Luke Walton is now officially on the hot seat. I I just don't know what it... That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That dude should have been on the hot seat for two years already. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, awesome again. Whenever they let him be awesome, he is awesome. Tyrese Halliburton came back looked slow, like maybe he is playing through his hip thing, but did have 8, 8, and 7 at least. But, I mean, when the percentages aren't there for Halliburton, that's when you knew something isn't quite right. But he's still number 40, despite this somewhat bumpy start. So I remain extremely high on him, and not nearly as high on a guy like De'Aaron Fox. Harrison Barnes, kind of an empty line, but, you know, he continues to be far better than anyone expected. He just, now he's back at number 24, so, you know, a week of top 50 here, a week of top 60 there. He's Harrison Barnes, I think, is going to have an okay season, but he's probably going to slowly move back towards that 50 marker. Slowly drifting back. Mavericks didn't play over the weekend, which is fine with them because they put up a giant offensive game on Friday, and they can just ride the high on that one. Dorian Finney-Smith finally had a good one, and our joking... Uh, road to top 90 for Dorian. He's now up to 143. He's actually on his way there while still shooting 36.5% from the field and 64 at the free throw line. There is a crazy world, and I don't know what the 
Like, I don't think there's odds on it because that'd be way too specific. But maybe we should create our own fake odds. Can Dorian Finney-Smith work his way inside the top 100 this year? It's a coin flip. Whatever. Uh, doesn't matter. Kristaps Porzingis, 32-7, and seven, three threes, three blocks. That'll move you up the board pretty quick. KP now. Uh, where the hell was he before? He was like in the 80s, and now he's at 58. One big game later. That's all it took. Those guys with that fantasy profile, they move fast. Jalen Brunson, th- 17 points, three assists, two three-pointers. And that, of course, is the fight he's going to be in all season long. Can he do enough in the scoring categories to overwhelm some of the missing categories? And I think you stick with him for now, to be sure. He's been safely in that you know, 70 to 90 range for the last couple of weeks because he's getting so many minutes. But be aware, it could evaporate. And I'm trying to think if anybody else played on Friday that didn't go over the weekend. I think I think we might have nailed them all now. I think that's all 30. If I missed one, sorry. I don't know, man. If I missed one, I'm sorry. I do my best. Okay. All right. That's the end of that. That's a big one. Took longer than I hoped it would. I'm going to go pop into our premium Discord, take some questions from our Fantasy Pass subs. If you guys want to get one of those, you go to hoop-ball.com, click on the premium tab, and choose Fantasy Pass. Get yourself a monthly subscription. Check it out. Hop into the Discord. You can find out how to get over there by emailing support at hoop-ball.com or hitting me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespers will get you situated, where you can interact with the pros every single day and get your fantasy questions answered. Thanks again to our buddies at manscaped.com. Use coupon code HOOPBALL20 on your purchase over there as we ramp towards Black Friday. It is the perfect gift for the unkempt man in your life. Or yourself, honestly, a gift from you to you if you're feeling a little, I don't know, fuzzy. (laughs) HOOPBALL20, the promo code again. 20% off free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. Let's put a bow on this bad boy. Tomorrow, uh, same show as usual, I believe. I think a scheduling stuff is going to uh, force us into kind of a, a quickie Monday recap type of deal, but we'll get something to you. That I can promise because the Iron Man streak. Got to keep it going. I am Dan Vesperus, at Dan Vesperus. Just start calling myself that in normal daily conversation. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Big news! Huge news coming up at HoopBall later this week. Stay tuned for that. We'll let you know when we know. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Later. This has been a HoopBall presentation.